Hi, and welcome to Everything Theatre's podcast, where we chat to the creatives involved in bringing you some of the amazing theatre we get to enjoy. Find out how exciting new shows come together and listen to the behind the scenes stories from directors, musicians, producers and more. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. This week, I'm talking to Sarah Tom, whose show Big Speaks is coming back to the Hen and Chickens Theatre on the 9th to the 13th of May. Sarah, love to meet you. Do you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what your theatre background is then? Yeah, sure. Hi, Rob. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I've been working in theatre for more about 30 years, which actually seems ridiculous when I say that. Uh, I've had a whole very varied background. I started off in theatre. I'm from the West Midlands originally, and I still do theatre. I've always loved comedy. So I do a mixture of theatre and comedy and I've done a lot for Radio 4 and TV as well these days. But um, this show, Beat Speaks, is very much sort of, I say it's my homage to the fringe. It's a story that's based on lots of my own personal experiences throughout the the theatre world and people that I've encountered. And I've sort of created this character, Gillian Beat, who then expresses various moments of my career but through her life and through her story on stage shall I tell you a bit about the show the 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 play itself is run as as a master class with the audience but there's a play within the play so I I brought the, the show back um in March it was the first time I'd done it in quite a long while and it went down really well and the hen and chickens have invited me back in again there are a lot of laughs to be had, it has to be said. It's all very, very silly, but it seems to appeal uh, to everybody in terms of it. you don't have to have worked in theatre to enjoy it. If you have worked in theatre, there are a few jokes that you might get that might go over everybody mm-hmm. else's heads. But I've had lots of people that have got nothing to do with theatre that came in and did seem to really enjoy the show. I had one guy say, the reason I really liked it was I had absolutely no idea what you were going to say next. I was like, I quite like that as a review. (laughs) Is it all based on things you've really seen and come across in your sort of, you know, in your theatre life? Is it just an exaggeration of, you know, of things that have really happened? Yes, it is actually. Nearly everything in the show Nearly everything in the show is based on some true experience that happened to me. Some of it is very silly. Um, I have got a kind of there's like a heart. There's a story within the the plates that's a little bit more heartfelt. And I have been known for the audience to uh, shed a tear actually because I've got this sort of true story or based on true story that goes through about. Well, I won't tell you now because it will give away the the, the whole play. But um, Gillian sort of misses her life. She keeps missing very important moments in her life because she's in a small, dark space, a theatre, often performing to nobody. <laughs> so, um, but there are the exercises and things that I do with the audience, which are very gentle. I don't force anybody to do anything that they don't want to do. So it's not like ah, audience participation. But there is, you know, there are moments where I do get a couple of volunteers. But they are, yes, most of them. There's one is exercise that I have invented completely but um most of them are, are, are something that's happened to me in the rehearsal room because to be honest as actors you get asked to do the most ridiculous things day in day out and we usually just go yeah great um I'll we'll, we'll I'll do it I'll do it do you know what I mean but it, it does get very 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 silly so I think it's quite good to sort of step back and go um yeah 
this this is what we're doing here. Um, yeah. I was going to say, there, there is that thing of um, when you're in the middle of it, you don't see how bizarre some of what you're doing is, isn't it? And, I've, you know, I've, whatever you work in, it becomes so normal to you, you don't realise how odd it looks from the outside, do you? No, exactly. I know just the funny things, you know, like I was on tour years ago and um, at Edinburgh Fringe and our dressing room was, we were sharing the dressing room with Paul Daniels. And because, because <laughs> but basically you had loads of different people, loads of different acts came in. And I realised at sort of some point that by our feet, it was like a tiny sort of converted lecture theatre, just, just a kind of pew of a lecture theatre assembly in Edinburgh. And basically by our feet were his rabbits, <laughs> his cages where he kept rabbits. And he'd just sort of pop in when we were getting changed. Like, Hello, ladies. Um, and it's just like, what the hell is, you know, and I just go, oh, yeah, that happened. Just funny little things. Yeah, and, you know, it all gets a bit, I mean, Jill, the play itself, Gillian's quite sort of earthy, you know, very sort of in touch with her. Well, I talk about my seat of Kundalini quite a lot from the, the so I've taken a whole sort of spoof from the chakra. Um, so I'm doing this, these exercises where she's sort of getting people to really get in touch with themselves. There were a few very silly jokes, slightly rude. It's not appropriate for children, I would say, <laughs> under the age of 14. I did bring my son, who's 11, but he's deaf. I wouldn't recommend anybody under 14 comes because there's quite a lot of innuendo in there. But, yeah, you know, people seem to have a good time. So that's good. It's it's the character of so it's Gillian Beak, isn't it? Is that a character you've had in your mind for a while? I mean, the show's been around. Oh, the show was first on in two thousand and seventeen, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Gillian Beak. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gillian Beak has been living with me probably for about twenty five years. Basically, I used to just improv, and it, I think it's sort of my response. I think I, I tend to sort of things that, that annoy me or I find tricky or just ridiculous. I always tend to sort of channel through comedy. So I'll often, so I used to just improvise Gillian or just in the dressing rooms, like when I was on tour um, and just slowly started to add layers and layers to this character of different things that had happened to me. So people that were on tour with me knew that I was, had this character Gillian Beak and that she was writing a book, Beak Speaks. Um, so, but it was just, you know, I guess, those days you spent hours and hours in vans together touring up and down the country and you know we didn't have phones when I first started out so you just sit around and improvise and chat to each other and just make up daft stories so Gillian Beat kind of arrived then and so and she's just been sitting with me for years and then my agent Jimmy Jewell is also a theatre producer and in 2017 I told him about this idea that I'd had and the beat speaks and I think, you know, there could be a play in it. And he re really brilliantly said, come on, let's do it. And he produced the original version of the show for Edinburgh. Um, so, you know, it was great to sort of breathe life into this mad idea, if you like, that's just, but also that feels very familiar to me because, you know, people, it's funny, like I, I did the show we used to with Chaos Theatre and that was 2003 I was first worked with them and, Catherine came to the show, she's like, oh, I'm good to see Gillian out. She, I mean, she knows Gillian Beak, and that was like 20 years ago, just because <laughs> I just used to just pretend very stupidly, just pretend to be her all the time. <laughs> so it's been bubbling under for a few, she's been bubbling under for a while then. Yeah, and also like other actors I've worked with then would become different characters in Gillian's theatre, her imaginary theatre troupe. 
I mean, like Tams in Bush, my friend Sarah Toogood, who I work a lot with in the comedy world. She's got a character that she just improvises with me whenever we've got a minute. Or, you know, actually, it sounds a bit, it all sounds very silly, doesn't it, when you say it out loud? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that the point of it? Um, is it? I mean, have you had people come and see the show who recognise themselves in some of what you're talking about there? Or do you sort of, have you changed it to protect the innocent? uh i have changed it to protect the i haven't uh, yeah i've changed moments i mean people will recognize people i go oh god she's just like so and so but i haven't um you know i'm not being too sort of openly cruel to anybody so i have sort of changed stuff the only person that's in the show and that is who's who plays himself is miles jupp and um miles very brilliantly i worked with miles jupp on um originally on Stuart lee's comedy vehicle which wow. is um the, you know, the, the, the BBC Two sketch show. Oh, I know Stuart Lee very well. I love Stuart yeah. Lee's work. Yeah, well, he's brilliant, isn't he? And um, he very not... I Actually, I was working with this theatre company, Chaos, and he used to see me in those shows. And when he got that series, he got me in for an audition for it, which was brilliant of him. And um, I ended up playing various characters in the first series, and Miles was in that. In fact, um, I moved into Miles Jupp's anal passage in a comedy <laughs> sketch. In series one of Stuart Lee's comedy bit. Go back and rewatch them. Yeah, that's why he was playing an estate agent, and it was me and Kevin Eldon and our son, and we were looking for somewhere to live, you know, and ended up in Miles Sharp's Anal Passage. There you go. Anyway, uh, it was a ridiculous sketch. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, all this Gillian Beat stuff is full of daft stuff like that. But anyway, um, Miles, when I um, did the show for Edinburgh, he said, I'll give you a quote for the poster. And there was always this character who originally was called Brian Gambon Dupont, who was like Gillian's inspiration, which was improvised in a dressing room by Jason Webb, an actor. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I decided to, when I was writing the show to sort of knit it all together so there wasn't too many people that you couldn't, you didn't, you didn't know who they were, you know, because I could go on about all these various people that are in my head that the audience wouldn't have a clue who they were. So I made Gillian's inspiration miles and then as we were as we were improvising it and as I was creating it, so he becomes her sort of the person who she first set up theatre with. And he came and did various like a photo shoot with me and, and a little film and did and let me run some of Gillian's ridiculous exercises with him. Um, so so then he then within the show sits as the sort of the star of her of her theatre life if you like the person that inspired her to become a theatre practitioner and then the, the story as it goes through is that he's obviously become well I guess he's sort of niche famous but he's famous as people know people know him and she's mm. just stayed on the fringe and then there's another play within the play that happens live in the theatre to do with Miles that if you see the show then you'll know so it's another there's sort of lots of different strands where she keeps basically missing things and Miles becomes one of those things that she misses. But, you know, she's sort of got a lot of affection for him. So he just pops up throughout. She talks about him as her, the person who, you know, she met him as an open call for Les Mis. That's not actually true. I met him on the set of his comedy vehicle. But they, they just then created this theatre company, Go Theatre Together, and improvise on the fringe. And he was her director and her mentor. And then she became his mentor. And it's like a sort of, you know, love story that might have been so that's going on in there as well um yeah it's all very silly rob to be honest <laughs> it sounds fantastic well that i'm living <laughs> did, 
the show went to Edinburgh in 2017. What made you bring it back now? What 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 was was it? Did you feel in your mind she had more to say, or what what was the reason to suddenly you know to bring the show back this year? Well, it was funny actually. I met. Um, I've always thought I'd like to do it in London because I did it in Edinburgh and it had really nice a really nice response. But the audiences weren't massive or anything. It was quite, I felt like I was starting to live out Gillian Beek's life where I was sort of playing to a small audience. You know, well, you know what Edinburgh's like. It's just like, yeah. can be exhausting. And I thought, but I would like to bring it back to London. But it had to be, you know, just looking for the right moment. And then just before Christmas, I was working on a short film. And the producer of that film was James Wren, who runs The Hen and Chickens. And I just mentioned my show to him. And he was like, well, you should come and do it at The Hen and Chickens. I was like, really? And then I sort of sat on it for a few couple of months because it's quite a big thing when it's your own show. You know, I like I think most actors, even though I'm sort of doing it, are quite so probably don't sound it, but quite introverted. And when it's your own thing and you're coming to go, hello, this is me, Sarah Tom. I've written this show. Come and see it. It's quite it takes quite a lot out of you because it's quite uh, exposing. Do you, know what, do you know what I mean? So I was like, I don't know if to do it or not. And I saw Jimmy, my agent, and he was like, well, why wouldn't you? You, you know, do it. If he says you can do it there. So anyway, I just thought, oh, God, I'm going to do it. First and the 1st of March, I, I emailed James and he came back to me and went, um, how long does it take you to do it? I said, oh, I probably need two weeks or something to rehearse. And and then he just went, well, I've got a slot, a, a slot, 21st of, of March. Do you want it? You can have the week. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I was literally like, oh, yes, OK, I'll do it. So I had three weeks from the minute I agreed to do it to actually opening it, to get it all out there again. But, it, you know, I guess maybe I getting the adrenaline rush of just going, for, oh, I'll do it. It feels like I've always said I'd quite like to do it again. And now I've got an opportunity to do it. And it, everything was just sort of aligning for me to do it there. And also the Hen and Chickens is actually a perfect venue for Gillian Beak because there's lots of bird references in the play. <laughs> and, um, so then I used to say that she sort of started off at the, well, I called it the, I didn't call it the white bear, but it was the white bear in Kennington in my head. But actually, the hen and, I've changed it now to the hen and chickens because it makes much more sense because, of, you know, I just like all the bird metaphors. And, um, and, and also the hen and chickens is, an, it's per, I mean, I, I don't know why I didn't, I, I don't know, I just maybe it didn't occur to me or I didn't realise I could do it there. But it's such a, because it's, my play is sort of a comedy stroke theatre. It's not really stand up and it's not, it's just a straight play. It sort of sits between the two. So it is a great venue for it. And I did it sort of on this little last minute adrenaline rush. And then it seemed to go down really well. People were really liking it. And James said I could come back and do another week, which is why I'm talking to you, Rob, because I'm going yes. to do another week. And, and I've, sort of, I've written a, I've written lots of different, but I've written like a little TV pilot for her that's in my head about her just sort of slightly poetic about theatres being closed and which I, I quite like to get out there if I can and um, I don't know if this, that will happen but that's something that's that's sort of sitting there and I, I did a radio version of her but I, I it's just nice to do the show to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> how, much, how much has changed from 2017 is, is it still basically the same show or did you have to go back and rewrite lots of it to bring it almost up I've to date? I rewrote a few, I didn't rewrite lots, but I've sort of changed a couple of things. And actually, interestingly, I've changed a few things back again because she is quite sort of full of innuendos. And I was like, oh, is this a bit sort of carry on? 
And then I was thinking, actually, it's interesting being an older woman making slightly sexual jokes, you know, because men get away with it all the time. It's sort of quite, you know, it's, I don't know. You just, I was watching Joe Lysett the other day. I think it's brilliant. It's like, it's so full of innuendos. And, oh, God, yeah. and, I, and I've sort of pulled some things, put some things back in because I, I don't know. I, I, but also, and it seems to appeal. People like it. You know, it's a, I suppose it's a bit of a cheap laugh, but it's an instant laugh. But I, um, the thing, there are things that I've changed. I've had to, ref, I reference COVID a bit, uh, not massively, but because I, I do get the audience to sort of, there was a, there's a moment where I used to get the audience to hug each other. Put everybody off. They don't have to hug, but they don't have to hug anybody. But I do give them very much an option to hug themselves now. So, I mean, just because you know, it's just we just notice all the. So there's a couple of jokes about about um, COVID. Somebody said I've got footage of Miles, but it's and I should I be updating it? But actually, it's old footage because it's supposed to be them when they first met when they were in their twenties anyway. So that that kind of works. So I haven't. It, I mean, she's sort of a little bit timeless, Gillian Peak. <laughs> yeah, there, oh, there is a there is one joke which is more Sarah's joke than um. I've got one political joke in there. That's just me having a chance to have a little bit of a dig, which I've slightly tweaked because to make it. But and I nearly cut it, and then I thought, oh, I think I'm going to keep it in there. <laughs> but it's mainly sort of you know, it's mainly sort of um, well, I suppose what I. The theatre that I've always loved is stuff that makes me laugh and makes me cry. And that's what I was hoping to try and achieve. And it does feel like I have had quite a few people feel quite moved by the show. But it it is, you know, it's very daft. I've generally been told that it's the, the adjective that people keep saying is bonkers to me. So <laughs> I, I, lo- I use that. It's bonkers is a word I use way too often when I review. I love if a show if I come out of a show thinking that was bonkers, it's usually a four or five star review in my eyes. <laughs> if I, if I, if I describe it as bonkers, it's a compliment. <laughs> well, yeah, I've sort of taken it as a compliment. <laughs> talking of bonkers, there's use of a trampoline in the play, isn't there? Well, there is, but you have to, I have to say, I mean, if you come and see the show, you'll be like, wow, it's a big, that like you're bigging up the trampoline there. It is like, it's a one gag trampoline, uh-huh. but uh, it's, it has got a good payoff and <laughs> uh, people tend to like the trampoline gag. And it, it's also, since actually that has changed, since I did the show in 2017, I've snapped a tendon in my ankle. <laughs> so I can't do too much bouncing, but I was like, I don't want to cut that gag. So I've kept it in, but it is, you know, it's like a, it's a, it's a one gag trampoline mob. I, I was <laughs> with, um, with a big build up. I was listening. Um, Camden Fringe, the the lady who run Camden Fringe, do a podcast now, and it's really interesting to listen to for people looking to make theatre. And one of their episodes was about insurance. And when I saw your trampoline, you know, use the trampoline, the first thing I thought of is, oh, I wonder how that affects your insurance. <laughs> because they were talking about risk assessments and sort of how you have to sort of risk everything you do that's sort of slightly different, you have to risk yeah. assess. And they were talking about how everything then has to be looked at from an insurance point of view. And I'm thinking trampoline. Oh my. oh, my God. Well, it's a very small trampoline. So hopefully, um, you know, I hope it doesn't put my premiums up. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's that that that's the um, slightly um, anal part of me that sort of I I I, I go and watch theatre and I start thinking about insurance policies. It's very bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there any other plans? I say it, this character's been in your head for like you said for twenty thirty years. Is it? <laughs> is there plans beyond 
this this next round of hen and chickens? Are you sort of, you well, know, do you think... I, I mean, I've, I've invited... I would be up for doing her again and doing it again. And it's it's just, it's been such a sort of interesting coincidence that's brought her back. Do you know what I mean? That almost felt not unplanned, but from a chance conversation that now I'm sort of going with it and seeing what happens next. But I would be very much up for doing her again. And I have pulled out this... I mean, I guess the, the, the TV pilot that I've written, I'd love to be able to make that. It's just a short, really. It's just a short comedy film or it could be sort of broken up into sort of three or four like a very small series but I, I'd love to because I guess because she sat with me for so long I would the thing with theatre is it's so sort of ephemeral it comes and it goes and you're like wow that was and then it's gone so I would quite like to somehow record her on film somehow so I guess that's what I'd be thinking about once I've done the run but equally if there's an option to do the show again I'd be well up for it. Is 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 it because again because you've got this this character you've clearly sort of you have know, got a whole backstory for is it is it one of these you might in a few you know, be able to in a few years time bring it back bring the character back but in a completely different show? Yeah, possibly actually. Somebody said that to me from a couple of people actually from the run said oh, I'd like to see what she does next. And I was like oh yeah, it would be quite interesting to to do a sequel of her or to do yeah i think that that is that's a really good point and i think i'd like to to develop her and see what happens next because there's quite a lot of material out there in the uh theater world for jillian i mean she's uh she's a bit of a, a sort of i feel like you know a little bit sorry for jillian she's sort of but she's so possessed and obsessed with her theater that i think she's happy enough that's what she does. She just performs, whether there's anybody there or not. <laughs> well, which let's face it, which is something you have to get used to in fringe theatre, isn't it? Some weeks performing to one person, some people, some weeks performing to uh, performing to hundreds. I know exactly, and I have to. When I was doing Edinburgh, I was like, "Oh my god, this is a self fulfilling prof- prophecy." Do you know what I mean? Just this idea of, "Oh, is anybody going to come?" But people did come. <laughs> but you have to really go. Oh, it's just a, it's a slog unless you suddenly. I've, I've done a couple of shows, which have, in fact. I wrote this, I had to write an article just to promote this. And I remember that the very first time I did Edinburgh, I was 18, just in a, a youth theatre group from Bur- Birmingham Rep. And we sold out the whole fringe. And that was my first experience mm-hmm. of Edinburgh. Right. It was like, it's only going to go downhill from here. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably, I can imagine you think that's normal, don't you, sell it out? And yeah, then you go yeah. back afterwards, it's like, no, that's not normal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, 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 I'm... I've only done it. I've been to Edinburgh once, uh, 2019, and I've done the scene in the audience of like four people to a show at, at like 11 o'clock in the morning. So um, I have I have seen both sides of sort of full house and empty houses at Edinburgh. And yeah, and the, the amazing thing is, is that it doesn't matter to perform. Oh, I mean, I'm sure the performers feel it, but when you're watching, you wouldn't know they're only performing to four people. They still put everything into it, don't they? Yeah, that's true, actually. And you can have really interesting shows when you've got a smaller audience than you expected. Do you know what I mean? It can be much more intimate, which is which is quite nice. You know, so there is, there is that flip side. But I guess, you know, everybody wants an audience, don't they? But I mean, I used to do a lot of site-specific theatre and I love that, that that was much smaller audiences and then it becomes almost filmic, if you like. You know what I mean? So you're really just talking directly to people. And this show, I, I talk to everybody. I try to... If they, if I can, I try to remember everybody's name in the audience as well, actually, mm-hmm. just because it's quite nice to be able to chat to people as you go through. That's that's quite a, a, 
a task in itself, isn't it? Or have you just got one over mind? Can you remember names quite easily? Uh, it, I mean, it's I sort of to try little tricks or just try to remember or repeat. I mean, repeat them. I do run a lot of theatre workshops in my real life, which aren't as mad as Gillian Beak's workshop, I, I assure you. But I, so then you do sort of get little techniques in your brain to sort of associate a shape or something with people. But when it's as quick as this, which is I sort of get people's names as they're coming in, I don't always achieve it. But I, mm -hmm. I, I like to because then it makes it feel... Well, it just makes it feel as more. I want it to feel sort of as real as possible, so they're mm. having a real live experience and not sort of just sitting watching a play. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, what else you got planned for this year? So you, you this say this shows on in a couple of weeks' time, so 9th to thirteenth of May. Have you got any other plans lined up? I take it you've got some radio work or anything lined up? Well, actually, I I have got an empty diary. I was thinking about that. I just did a I did an episode of Grace for ITV recently, and that's just gone out. But I am. Um, available and looking for work so that's what I'm, well i'm doing that also i've also written a another so i've got this which i'm trying to get out there which is the tv pilot for this but i've also written a tv pilot with sarah Toogood, who i mentioned earlier who mm. played tams in bush and we've written a six-part very dark um comedy drama so we're also trying to get that touted around Pushing so i out. guess i've been sort of focusing on my own stuff but I've, I've got an agent and they'll be putting me up for work now so Hopefully something will come in. But, you know, it's the actor's life. You're like, I don't know what's happening. And then you're like, oh, great, I'm doing that. Get, get a call and put a show on in two weeks' time like you did for this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, <laughs> just, just to round things up then, so just a reminder. So what is it? Why should we all be coming to see Big Speaks when it plays at the Hen and Chickens from the 9th of May then? What is it that we should be coming to see? Well, I think hopefully you'll have a good night out. It's only about an hour's hour long, so you're not going to be sitting getting bored in the theatre. <laughs> there are a lot of laughs, a tears, a tear to be shed, um, and yeah, hopefully you'll just get a bit of an insight into the world of Gillian Beak. But yeah, uh, it will be great. Also, the Hen and Chickens. I mean, even just great. to come and see the Hen and Chickens, it's a brilliant theatre. It's, it's a, a lovely space. black box theatre, isn't it? It's a nice pub downstairs, as long as it's not football one. Yeah, exactly. But also it's got such history there. I just like, I thought, like, oh God, this place is magical. But yeah, I'd love it if you came. That'd be great. So well, we'll put all the details up on the website and links, say, for the Hen and Chickens for people to book tickets for you. Sarah, it's oh, absolute pleasure. It sounds a fantastic you, show. And so hopefully we'll get along to see you in May. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much, Rob. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for listening and don't forget to share our podcast if you enjoyed it and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode.